Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric, and I'm here with Candy Corn Aficionado Michael Kester. Got a spooky pumpkin on my uh, microphone today. Gonna keep the show spooky. Yeah, I don't know if people can hear that or <laughs> how long until that falls. Uh, we'll never know. <laughs> Candy Corn lasts forever. That's a fact, actually, which concerns <laughs> me that you're still eating that stuff. Still, even now. Uh, <laughs> listen, it's October. Got some movies. They're fucking great. Mm-hmm. The show's themes today, fucking great. Mm-hmm. Everything about this just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Before we tell people what they already know, which is what the movies are, and that they're amazing, which I just said, we have uh, this little show called Double Feature you're already listening to. Exactly, exactly. And my plea, <sighs> my, <laughs> my plea for people on tonight's midnight double feature is uh, I'm not even going to really mention the Patreon, except we got a movie going up there, which people might know about that's happening in October. You can go on. I am going to mention it. I've decided in the moment, (laughs) patreon.com forward slash double feature. If you get on there in October, we're going to give you the movie. We're going to give everybody who gives anything, the movie double feature, the movie. It's a fictional narrative set in the universe of double feature, which is to say just the universe, I guess. And uh, I love it. Everyone's going to be really happy when they see it, I think. It's a movie we made just for people listening to double feature. It's not even really a movie because if you don't know what double feature is, it's useless to you. <laughs> it's <laughs> literally it's, yeah. it's made for the cult audience of double feature enthusiasts, which is to say not a large enough audience to justify there being a fucking movie. Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy it exists. And it will drop right there on the Patreon. Thing I was gonna say is rather than saying uh, please allow us to do the show and we're poor. Just gonna say, man, tell people about double feature this October. You should. This is a good time. Find people who like the spooky film mm-hmm. and say, hey, these guys talk about spooky films and we made it easy. And you have a 49 minute car ride. Why don't you download this show? Next time you're hanging out in a room and somebody says, Yeah, I didn't think it was that scary, you can be like, Oh, well, speaking of it, yes. This, yeah. Or if you're in the room with somebody and they go, You ever see that film Soul Man? You can no, be like, I stop, haven't. <laughs> stop hyping Soul Man. I want the Soul Man episode to just slowly like wither and fall off of the RSS feed. I don't know why you keep ensuring that people go back to that. Yeah, double feature. Challenging little show, this double feature, talking about some challenging stuff. Uh, sometimes. I Listen, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's going to be too much challenging stuff today on Double Feature. I do think we're going to have mm-hmm. two phenomenal well, fucking movies, though. It's funny because the only real challenge you already failed, which is watch two movies. <laughs> don't, people don't need to know about that. Yeah, the first time in 10 years I watched the wrong movie. Whatever. Yeah. You've done this before. 
Have I? Yeah, I don't remember okay. what it was, but you did this first. Cool. It just seems like the type of thing I would do. So mm-hmm. I don't think, I think we just forgot that you did it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I watched Get Out. I don't know why. Right. You said, watch Don't Breathe and The Good Neighbor. And I went, got it. Get out and The Good Neighbor. <laughs> and it wasn't even, you know, six days later. It was, I, I then walked over to my TV and played Get Out. <laughs> I just wanted to see it so badly. Saved it for double feature. It's coming up. We're going to get to it, obviously. Well, I was prepared to tell you about my favorite film of the year, Get Out. And now I'm prepared to tell you about my favorite film of the year, Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. And we are doing that. With the good neighbor. We're gonna spoil mm-hmm. both of them. We're gonna skip to one of them halfway through. What uh what are we skipping to halfway through? We're gonna skip to the good neighbor halfway through because I think that and here's why. Do op rules, don't the breathe nature, on the good neighbor. Do, definitely do op rules went through my mind, but also um by the spoilery nature of our show, it allows for both movies to have an equally what the fuck ending. Yeah, because sure, Don't Breathe sure. comes equipped with its own what the fuck ending mm. and the good neighbor after watching Don't Breathe gets its own huge what the fuck ending yeah this is a great double feature for a lot of you know I know I know we'll run out of time at the end which is the better time to talk about the the themes and so forth I noticed a lot of them which I assume they're all you know by design but why don't you tell me precisely where you mm-hmm. thought the theme was today. The theme that I kind of wanted to, to get into was um, a little bit of what we talked about on the AC. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about a little bit of suburban crime. And I also wanted to talk about breaking and entering into the old man's house. Yeah, sure. As kind of an encompassing idea. But the theme of that that I really wanted to dive into is this idea that you break into a person's home and while that is an infinitely smaller place than your world, it's their domain. Totally. The idea of I'm not locked in here with you, you're locked in here with me. This is also uh, on the most surface fun level and probably what I'll use to advertise the show, a secret basements double feature. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. secret basements. But I think... One of the things that, you know, one of the reasons people should see both of these, especially one if you liked the other, is we go back and forth here because of the very things you stated on who is morally in the clear. Mm -hmm. And not so much just general questions of morality as determined by the audience, but who the film wants you to think is morally in the clear. Mm -hmm. Normally, when a film plays with this device of the hero is down and out and then the hero gets his second act boost and then the hero needs to use his newfound thing that he learned or whatever to you know go fight off the enemy the film i mean the films do a little bit of that but they also kind of swing the moral arc back and forth right the moral pendulum sure they go oh well here's why this person's actually a lot worse Mm -hmm. than you thought and yeah Wait a second, though. These people who broke in are actually really shady. Mm-hmm. And although it turns out that the easiest way to lose a moral argument is to approach anybody with a cum-filled turkey baster. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers in this show. Spoilers. <laughs> One of these films also brilliantly creates tension because you are too near the enemy, and the other creates tension because you may be too far away 
mm-hmm. from the enemy. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is an early contender for best show we've done in fucking 10 years. So let's awesome. not screw it up now. Great. All right, cool. So in the year that Don't Breathe came out, it was kind of jammed amidst a lot of the horror movies that you and I will, of course, see, of course, throw our dollars down, but ultimately bulk at and sweep under the carpet and refuse to put on double feature. Mm -hmm. Not every horror movie that has ever come out will ever end up on double feature. So that's how you know which ones we really like. But Don't Breathe is such a high concept idea. You know, you're stuck in a blind guy's house. And it was right around the time that other movie Lights Out, which is, you know, oh, super high concept horror. There's a lot of this high concept horror that was juggling around. I actually think this film suffered a lot uh, financially from the fact that all these other high concept things were making it seem like one of those crappy high concept exactly. movies. And um, I had no idea Don't Breathe was even, if you had given me all five of those movies, I couldn't yeah. have told you one from the other. I wouldn't have seen it except I'd heard a few good things and I was really in the mood and I was also like pretty high on Stephen Lang because of the Deadpool buzz. And also, you know, Evil Dead kind of pushed me over the edge. Oh, fuck yeah, Evil Dead. Yeah, we should say same director and yeah. star yeah. of uh, the Evil Dead remake, which I thought was so uh, good. just one of the, the greatest yeah. continuation reboot remake yeah. thingies. So Just wonderful. I show up to Don't Breathe with Hannah, and she's pumped, and I'm wary, but excited. You know, going to see a movie is better than not going to see a movie, so fucking sure, I'm pumped. Agreed. So... When the movie ended, I was fucking stoked as shit that that existed. (laughs) Yeah. And Hannah was a little disappointed. Really? And the reason is, until Don't Breathe ended, we had two different expectations. We both thought going in that it was going to be kind of supernatural, and we both found out coming out that it was not supernatural at all. And that was 100% informed by our opinions of that film. Oh, wow. I was afraid going into the movie, there was going to be some ghost. And if you made a noise, it would come get you. Oh, interesting. And to find out that it's a real world kind of suburban crime thriller, horror yeah, movie for sure. Yeah. But it's, it's so firmly based in reality. And that's what, get, you know, that's what gets me. Totally. As a skeptic, as somebody who doesn't believe in an afterlife, I'm typically the suspension of disbelief I have to put into a movie that has spooky ghosts doesn't take away from the movie. Babadook, perfect example. Mm -hmm. It follows another great example, but for me to really be affected in a frightening way, unless it's it, I have to feel like there's some reality. Yeah. And this movie is so intense and so well orchestrated in its use of reality and it's kind of unflinching forward motion in how this scenario might play out. That by the end, I'm just, it's a movie that just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. The whole setting, that that high concept, when you take away the supernatural idea of it, becomes dubious. But you find out really early on, probably around the time the first of the three intruders gets killed, that this is going to play out differently than you might have expected. There's a lot, there's going to be a lot more to the individual characters. It's not going to be slashery. It's not going to be schlocky. These characters are humans. They're not body count. 
their ability to make the blind man seem like a supernatural creature in how mm-hmm. fucking horrifying he is. I mean, he might as well be something from The Descent. Right. But I mean, a single entity and bigger. You know, it actually plays kind of like a survival horror game. Totally. You know, like the yeah. uh, the early trailers for The Evil Within or like just some kind of, even Alien Isolation. Just like there's one scary fucking thing and you're always hiding and running from it. And the fact that they did that with a guy who's just a guy, just a human being, he's the same as our characters in that he is a human and he may have some talents or what have you that, if anything, only serve to balance his detriment, which is that he can't see. And there's constant toying with that playing field and leveling it or even hindering the three that break in. But the way he moves unexpectedly in a way that's almost not human, I mean, he seems, they make him scary, but he's a guy. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. so impressed by how they do that. Well, and he's, I mean, he's a handicapped guy. Well, yeah, I mean, that's then, yeah, just for a normal human. Yeah. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) But a human with a, uh, something we're, we're elevating into a superpower right unexpectedly uh, is uh, yeah. crazy that's the uh, the kind of idea that i mentioned at the top of the show the idea of being in someone else's domain even though you're in your world mm-hmm. you're in his domain yeah you know he knows where the shoes aren't yeah and yeah. you know all those little tiny things become so much more because even a seeing person right i wouldn't know where the fucking shoes are in my place because I look for him. Well, this is like home alone from the burglar's perspective, right? Yeah. It's all yeah. of a sudden you find yourself in this, this place that has all these almost traps built in. You weren't expecting at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, each level of this house you uncover is even more fucked up than the last place. Mm-hmm. And you know, the way you see him kind of maneuver around or when he touches the fan or just these, these little motions he makes, and to make that scary, I mean, I know a ghost is going to be scary. I know a monster is going to be scary. You know, we invent these things because the very idea of the things mm-hmm. are scary. The Blair Witch looks scary. That's why you don't want to see it. Yeah. But if the Blair Witch is just some dude in a house, yeah. I mean, that's not a naturally scary thing on its own. And it becomes so much more impressive when you get there and it's horrifying. Well, and the effective tension that goes along with the title, the scenes where you're actually sitting there not breathing, Mm -hmm. you know, when he's pointing the gun around the room, waiting for a sound to know when to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. And there's no score. There's no ADR. It's all fucking just silence. Yeah. And you're just sitting there like yourself not making noise just so you can hear if they make noise. Yeah, from a, a sound design point of view i couldn't help but think you know this film just it has so little to hide behind Mm -hmm. there's nowhere for it to kind of tuck its corners and you know hide its mistakes when you have a movie that you know the title might as well be pay attention to our sound design it's just i could see where as a designer that would be a great creative challenge but also just fucking horrifying Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, each little piece of that film I put together, I would kind of go, okay, but if something's wrong here, maybe they won't notice because this thing over here is cool. There's none of that. 
nobody's talking, nobody's saying anything. What sound is even happening? You know, when a sound is, uh, is naturally coming from the world or a little designed or porters on score or is a full out song, the audience in most cases, you know, you play to a place where the audience doesn't really notice that it's all just part of an experience. It all becomes this, this designed thing. And if nothing else is happening and the movie is just pointing a big red arrow at it, I mean, you got to be bringing your A game. It's mm-hmm. your solo. You're doing this acapella. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. That's horrifying to me as a filmmaker, <laughs> not, not even just as an audience member, just going, oh my God, what is every little thing about this okay? There's never going to be a, like everything is perfectly finessed. And I see that that level of just genius proficiency all the way to the title, all the way to it being a high concept to have made the film and everything's perfect and also to go, you know what? And it's called Don't Breathe. And mm-hmm. bam, now we have the selling point. Right. It seems to me to be so perfectly tied together and so done 10 out of 10 at every point that you know, it almost looks like a case study for how to make the perfect fucking film. I know. And then like it gets buried under these poor other, <laughs> other right. films. Well, it would be a I tragedy mean, if everyone doesn't know what this is. This movie is just littered with moments that make your jaw drop. Oh yeah, this I mean, was definitely one where I was screaming and shouting the whole time yeah. I watched. It's just constant punches in the face to the audience. Yeah. If you've ever watched a, a kind of, you know, I would compare it actually to something like uh, like an America's Funniest Home Videos. You know, they have sure. these reactionary videos where you see them mm-hmm. and a person, it's usually just a guy gets hit in the nuts. Let's be mm-hmm. honest, that's what it is. But, you know, I think about all of these like caught on camera things where a person does something and you have this reaction of, oh my God, that had to hurt. And the film over and over does these things where the audience is just forced to make an exclamation audibly because of how painful or how awful or how whatever Mm -hmm. the thing that just happened is. And it's great if your movie can get one or two of those real like, oh my God, theater popping moments. But this just seems to have one every two and a half minutes. When you get to that tableau of the girl in the basement, for the movie to be like, oh, we're not even done yet. I know, an already perfect (laughs) film. A film that's already, I'm totally in, I'm ready to go the whole way. You haven't bored me for a fucking second. I'll follow you to the end of the earth. And it goes, oh, we got another layer to this basement. Yeah. You don't even know. I mean, literally, there's yeah. there's a there's a basement to the basement. Right. Which is, I mean, you know, I'm watching this and I feel like this uh, you know, I kind of see it and go, well, this would be a perfect movie for me as well as a perfect movie. If only it was maybe like a little bloodier and maybe pushed yeah, a, a few more boundaries. Fucking creepier, yeah. And if there was like a if there was a dog hard. attack scene, that would be great. Well, and even before that, you mm-hmm. know, I'm just thinking, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> oh, God, I'm exhausted just thinking about this movie. You know, the the turkey basting, right? Yeah, is yeah. just like that's the point where we hit levels of fucked up that I wasn't prepared for. Well, and when you think about that in hindsight, man, I saw this shit in the theater. That was oh. in the theater. I know. It was know, wide know, release. Yeah. Some Hills Have Eyes stuff Man, going on. Man, you, you couldn't fucking cut a girl's 
crotch open and stick a turkey baster in it these days, man. These were these were beautiful times. Twenty beautiful times six months ago or whatever the <laughs> fuck this movie came out. Yeah, it's yeah, different different world then, man. It's so funny. Well, I so let's just break this down for a moment here. You're caught off guard, of course, by there even being a girl in the basement, mm-hmm. and then you're caught off guard by dropping the line that the film might as well like. I feel like it just throws a a dark night bump under <laughs> a Hans Zimmer bump under when he goes, and she was pregnant because she owed me a baby, and she was tied up where you are right now. Yeah, and she goes, oh, where I am with a baby, like in a uterus. I have a uterus. Wait, I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes and... Meanwhile, cuts- he's standing over, stirring his cum in the pot. <laughs> God. Well, when he cuts the slit open, and you're going, okay, yeah, we're going to do a rapey thing here. And the film so won me over that it's earned its terrible thing it's going to do to the yeah. audience, where I feel like, okay, you're going to go there. And, you know, that's a big tell moment for a film. Like you were saying, especially today... For an audience that... People aren't signed up. People don't sign up for that shit. I know. I know. They really don't. They don't less than they did even a few moments prior. And hey, I don't really actually blame people for that because look at look at the uh, right. triggers we've put ourselves through in the last year. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've all endured some trauma here. And I think, you know, extra sensitivity definitely comes with that. Maybe it was coming anyways, probably. But that aside... To do the rapey thing and then go, well, some audiences are are not going to sign up and some are going to sign up no matter what. Just go, it's art, go for it, do whatever it's doing, you know, or you've seen so much it doesn't shock you or whatever. But I feel like there is a very large middle ground that you can win over. They can agree with everything you're doing up to that point. And when you want to take them an uncomfortable place like that, they can go with you. And then... Somehow they go, well, we're not going to, we're not, I'm not a rapist. I'm not going to do a rape scene. Just going to get this turkey based over here. It is somehow worse in a way mm-hmm. that intellectually, you know, that it's not worse, which makes the fact that it is worse, even worse, because then yeah. you're like, why is it? I would rather see this girl raped in a movie than turkey basted right. because it's yeah, like it's, this it's weird. Ca- level it's almost of- it's almost like a fucking uncanny valley rape. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You're going well. I I was mentally prepared to endure a rape scene. I don't even know what the fuck this is. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, like wait, better or worse, kind of seems out the window <laughs> at this point. But then, then, and here's another like microcosm example of this, and it's so just. DP, person who wrote it in, art department, everybody gets big thumbs up. Don't say DP. They're, when, when, the, uh, when the cum goes into the baster, at the very top, there's a hair. There's a sing- I don't know if uh-huh. you noticed this. Did you notice uh-huh. this single uh-huh. hair at the top? Uh-huh. Which makes it a thousand times worse. Yeah. Why? Don't know. It's already a fucking vial of cum. Can't get any worse. Well, it could if you put it in a turkey baster and then the audience is forced to like question why that's better or worse feeling than just raping a chicken. Also, is this actually happening? But there's a hair in it and it's gross. <laughs> like, it's just such a, I mean, it is the perfect cherry on top in that uh-huh. it is a hair on top of cum. Yeah. Even as a metaphor of a metaphor in a microcosm, yeah. it's just perfect. And then where it ends up is also just really gross and you don't really want to see that either. 
Oh, I know, I know. And that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For the strikes back, you know. Yeah. Suck on this moment of the, what did yeah. we, we decided, some movie did one of these and we decided it was going to be the one. It's the Lucky Charms. We're talking about the Lucky Charms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That wasn't. From it. Leprechaun wasn't. Origins. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. I don't know why we gave it. Probably because it was the worst one every time. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why we decided that was going to be the one, but we did. But yeah, and then that's all before the dog scene. Then, yeah. then when all that's over and you're relieved and out of the house, you're like, how is this going to end? They go, you know, we still had some ideas left. You want to just see those while you're sure. Still, I mean, I know we just did all the stuff and mm-hmm. you're going to remember this, but I don't know. We got a, like a wicked good dog scene in this car here where we're going to tie back to the thing that congratulations movie on your hamster style. I knew from the second you said it, we're going to wind up in some weird trunk thing. Mm-hmm. But then you turkey basted and I fucking forgot all about that. <laughs> So we've learned something. I have a question with The Good Neighbor. The Good Neighbor is, in a lot of ways, a very strange movie. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just want to get a read. You know, this is my third time seeing it or something. But I kind of want to get a read of how you felt about it and what you thought was going on. And... I'm also curious that let's start with this question and then you can start kind of like winding through how you felt about what was going on in the movie. Having seen how this movie ends, is it a horror movie? I mean, you know, that's always like a, a question that boils down to some excuse for me to say yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so I don't know. I mean, it feels, it feels like, you know, a couple less dramatic camera angles and maybe some sunnier days away from a Hallmark film plot wise. <laughs> yeah. I say that only cause I've seen a couple of Hallmark films and you'd, you wouldn't believe the things they try and steal from <laughs> horror movies and pass off as just totally normal suspense moments. I think it's interesting that in the setup of this movie, you know, as much as we looked at kind of the climate that don't breathe came out in and the movies it was surrounded by, it's no secret that there is a found footage or handheld camera thing Mm -hmm. happening in horror even still today. And it will run its course longer than, you know, zombies were popular for just a few years slash two decades prior. Uh, It's a trend. And the reason it's a trend is because you make movies cheap that way. Anybody goes we can't afford to shoot this thing. Oh, but if it was found footage, we could. There's a couple of reasons for that. It doesn't really matter. You could probably think of what they are. What's interesting starting this film is that it has these trappings of found footage because it's setting up all these cameras. But because of what it's actually doing, I don't think it cuts any corners budgetarily. Mm-mm. Like there's no... right. You give yourself a kind of handicap when you're found footage because you then have to talk your audience into like, no, 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 but actually see the movie. It'll be good, I swear. Right. Because everybody just goes, uh, found footage. And then you go, well, but it's different, please. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone, except maybe us, goes, hooray, found footage. This is right. going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. I wonder what inventive yeah. little things they're going to do. You're going, ah, oh, right. You shot it from your webcam. Yeah. When somebody comes out of the gate and goes, it's found footage, I'm like, great. That's like 60% of the work for me. So cool. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I think that's, you know, that's a handicap that the trade-off is that you can actually get the movie made. It costs very little money. You can do inventive mm-hmm. things. It costs as much as like a toy lobster rapist. 
Yeah, by very little money, I still mean like five million fucking dollars. Right. Yeah, so, lobster rapist. But you can actually, you can if you said, "How do I make a five million dollar horror film for eight thousand dollars?" I would go, "Well, it literally has to be found footage because you can't even right." You know, that's just that's the first line item you can take off your budget is make actual movie, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it turns out that costs four and a half million. So you know, you, you start chipping away from there. But for a movie to go, it's almost like it did the opposite where it went, let's just write some crappy little found footage movie. And somewhere along the way, someone went, okay, so you want like $50 million to do this? And I went, uh, yeah, that's definitely what we were thinking. Yeah. So they, they set all these cameras up from these different angles, but then continue to use cinema to make mm-hmm. cinema instead of making found footage. So that throws me off immediately. Then all the court stuff right. that I didn't know was coming. And when you throw this court stuff in, you add this kind of gravity that I didn't know was going to happen. You know, I didn't, I had no idea that, I don't know, just something about it goes, okay, well, there's going to be another layer to the film first. We know that. And then secondly, it's also, you know, it looks more cinematic than anything there's more adults in the room you know more people are going to be concentrated on what's happening and going to ask you to really analyze what's going on and think deeper about it and you know look dean cameron showed up Mm -hmm. so i don't know i thought all of that (laughs) (laughs) well i think for me one of the most bizarre things that's going on in this movie is much like i was saying with don't breathe the movie keeps begging some sort of supernatural element. It keeps going, something weird is happening here, something strange is happening here. But the whole time, so basically kind of what I'm expecting, I think the first time I saw this movie, is The Last Exorcism. Well, so that, yeah, that was a point that I I wanted to get to with you, was there is, I mean, maybe that's sort of the subtext of what you're asking me here. Did you think there'd be ghosts, Eric? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I did. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. And I wanted to ask you if you thought there'd be ghosts. The thing, I don't know. If, I don't so know. Kind of. I, I think the reason I've seen this movie three times and not two. So normal amount of times I've seen movies on double feature. There's basically two options. One is a hundred and one is two. Those are the amount of times I've seen any, any given movie on double feature. Mm-hmm. Three is usually a symbol of a specific thing happening. It's me watching a movie. This is this is what happened with Good Neighbor. Watching a movie, going, this is stupid. I don't think I like this, but I'm going to finish it. And then finishing it and going, fuck, I need to rewatch that knowing it's really good. And then I watch it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the mindset of this, I should have been giving this movie the benefit of the doubt the whole time. Oh, damn, this did turn out to be good. I made the yeah. wrong bet. And so the whole time, I'm just sitting there going like, Jesus Christ, get to the fucking ghosts. Jesus Christ, let's just fucking pick it up <laughs> You're the already. Worst. You're the worst audience well, member. And, I mean, I'm not, not enjoying the movie, but I'm kind of sitting there going, okay, so we get through this, and then there's fucking ghosts or something. And I'm, ba- I'm basically sitting there disappointed that the movie's not delivering something it never promised. Well, let's, and then, let's back up just for a, a, a pause, perhaps, for a quick second here. Because, you know, you should see these movies before you listen to the show, but you didn't. 
okay, mm-hmm. that's fine, I guess. This is a movie where some kids are going to uh, perform a psychological experiment. Yeah, right. Some bullshit. They want to torture an old guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, you know, when we lived in Chicago, there were always people with whatever majors, some kind of psychology major that were running around performing experiments, which basically meant doing like non-physical versions of jackass out in the real world. Yeah, just like shitty things to people. Right, just random passersby and seeing what happens. Like that's Mm -hmm. some kind of hypothesis. Mm -hmm. The hypothesis is things might happen. Let's Mm -hmm. see. People might raise an eyebrow and go, why is that guy doing that? Yeah, okay. Our youth in Chicago was definitely kind of the heyday of the notion of a social experiment. Yeah, which was just sort of performance art, I guess. Being shitty to other people and pretending it's artistic. Yeah, that's what that really is. Well, I think it was I think it was being artistic and pretending it was science. I think it there was actually that's even, probably better. Even a yeah. little worse. It was like, well, if I get an art degree, everyone knows it's worthless. What if I get a psychology degree and I use it to do performance theater in the streets? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you would basically just be a mime or something. Mm-hmm. And then but how do people react to mimes, Michael? That's the experiments. Yeah, the difference, science is writing it down, according to Adam Savage. So there were things like this, sort of, that were going on a lot mm-hmm. around us in Chicago. Which, or above you in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that, I don't know if that cued me off to it a little early, but I, I got what the film was doing pretty early I think but it is a film that that sets up to say we're going to wire a guy's house up to make him think it's haunted but then something else is going to happen mm-hmm. and you go oh ghosts oh you mean right. there's, there's going to actually right. be haunted you fucks I know what kind of movie this is but you think I'm stupid and something mm-hmm. else happens yeah it's fucking haunted okay it's like a man's wife goes mysteriously missing, and then eight years later, he's haunted by a woman. Yeah, it's his fucking wife. Yeah. I get it. Well, and it's funny because in the context of this double feature with the begging of what's in the basement, you kind of go, yeah, he's fucking got a turkey baster full of cum in the basement <laughs> with his wife down Spoiler. there. Spoiler. And when this movie gets to where it's going, to kind of twist the theme of you're in somebody else's domain you finally realize that you know they're inside his house whatever that's easy but they're actually like they're inside his head and they don't know what's in there yeah, you know and don't yeah. breathe you're in the guy's fucking house and it's his domain mm-hmm. and he he calls the shots but you don't know what's in the house you've made the mistake of entering a place that you have no business being in in don't breathe right in the good neighbor, the place you have no business being, is this poor old James Conn's brain. Yeah. You don't really understand. You know, this is, this is fucking humanism 101, but you don't know what's going on with anybody. And even if, typically, if somebody's a shitty person, there's probably even more going on up there than if they're not a shitty person. Yeah. And so for him to be the kind of guy that wants to like eviscerate a dog, Mm-hmm. There's got to be something plaguing him, keeping him awake at night, something other than broken windows. Yeah. And they touch on it a lot with the two 
voyeurs in the in the movie because there's kind of the slightly more moralistic pragmatically minded one who's going I thought this was for such and such a reason you gave me this outline we're veering off the original path and then you have kind of the more malicious character who goes yeah but he's fucking shitty fuck this shitty guy we're gonna find some shitty shit in his fucking shitty basement oh I thought he was like I'm gonna get me some theoretical YouTube dollars and when he fucking shoots himself in the mouth man it is in that moment that I go Oh yeah. So I think, yeah, I think the movie sets up this premise that you could do a bunch of interesting things with, and then defying all expectations actually does them. Right. Because when you set up a premise, like they wire his house to be haunted, but something else turns out, Everybody goes, well, what's the dumbest, worst thing it could be? Oh, turns out it's haunted. It must be that. Instead of going, oh, so they try and drive a person mad and they succeed. And then what does that actually mean? Those are some hard fucking questions with right. some terrible results. <laughs> yeah. And that especially really like put you in a downer awful place. When you, when you have that moment where James Kahn's character kills himself, the implications just start flooding in. And it is in that moment you realize you've been watching court proceedings for yeah, yeah eighty yeah. minutes because yeah. you kind of, it's kind of a non thing. It you look at it as, look at it as exposition, mm-hmm. and then when that happens, you go, "Oh yeah, there's probably some legal shenanigans that go along with this scenario." Sure. Sure. Because that, and that's the, you know, they, they touch on in Don't Breathe, they play with the legality of breaking and entering being a misdemeanor versus turkey basting, um, hit and runner. <laughs> and this movie, the other it's thing also, about these are also legalese double feature movies, right? <laughs> well, and the other thing though, too, is that you never, there is never any like litigious fallout from ghost movies. Like if in the conjuring, like somebody comes over to the Warren's house and a ghost eats them, it's not like that person's family's <laughs> gonna sue the Warrens for having a ravenous ghost. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. so the fact that the whole time you're not the cop shows up two, three times and you're like, fuck you, cop, you can't shoot a ghost. Get yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're useless. You're just as useless as everybody else. And when there's no ghost, suddenly the law is very important. <laughs> and you start having all these really hard questions to answer. Just something like fault. There's no argument. The breaking and entering, bad. Illegally monitoring somebody, bad if I think you can, you can do that in California, right? That's okay. I don't know. I know my state's like, you can't record anything. And in your state, it's like, you can do whatever you want. Or maybe it's the other way around. Mine's the backwards one. Yours is the yours is. The if Adam Rifkin movies have taught me anything, it's that you could just plan a bunch <laughs> yeah. of cameras, make a movie. Yeah, permits. And all of a sudden, there's something bad happened. I mean, something actually bad happened. Yeah. In the real world, again, just like Don't Breathe, I'm sitting there going, "Oh shit, this is just reality." Oh damn, reality doesn't have magical rules that save us. Exactly. The very opposite of what horror usually does. Uh huh. Which is to go, the magical rules here mean that Freddy can get you in your sleep, and thusly, there's new danger we've introduced. Mm-hmm. This is just going, no, 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 guys, like lawsuits. 
will happen. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> you know? don't fuck with people because if they kill themselves because of something you did to them, that counts as manslaughter. To go backwards and look at their actions and the kind of questions that they do juggle along the way, there are great consequences to them that in the moment were invoked. But you know, it's it's again this idea of carrying it out to its maximum potential. If you go, all right, well, we're going to see if we can drive this man crazy and what that'll do. If you were to pause at that very moment and go, well, hold on, what's the worst that could happen here? That's about what you get. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, what if we do make him go crazy? Like so crazy that he killed himself. That's the sort of thing that in real life might stop you from doing this. Mm-hmm. Is as you're going out and buying this equipment and really playing out in your head what might happen, you go, oh, we can't do this at all. Like, what if it gets, what if he kills himself and it's our fault? Let's call it off and not make a film about it. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, it progresses faster than real time as a movie has the power to do. And it catches up with you or rather you catch up with it. Mm -hmm. You don't realize in the moment that, well, the consequence is he will go mad and kill himself and that will pose very real problems for everyone, mostly the man who killed himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just gets to you faster than you can think about it. And for the movie to go there is is the best decision it can make. Well, and it does so really artfully as far as the exposition goes, because again, it's not a complicated premise. You know, we've kind of talked about the high concept idea behind Don't Breathe. I mean, this isn't even enough concept to be high concept. There's some kids drive a guy crazy. Yeah. Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. And you get to that point, and the movie just changes everything. And the exposition that follows to be like, this is why the bell mattered. This is why every little tiny mistake you made has Rube Goldberg into a man's mm-hmm. suicide. I think the way that reality is used, instead of it being a, the plot being a means to an end, you know, instead of. Instead of a movie basically having this plot and using it as an excuse to have scares and have an excuse mm-hmm. to hang out for an hour and a half. And have an excuse to film James Caan doing one of his, oh, I can tell you right now, one of the most underrated roles of his career. Well, judging by the fact that you and I saw this and probably no one else, then yes, I will. Uh-huh. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Imagine if this film, this has a little exercise here, is perhaps a, an experiment that'll get you out of your art school degree and help you transition into a better major. You could have left this film going the way you would many other films saying, if you really think about it, it was kind of fucked up what they did. Imagine if there were ghosts or they played with the idea that there were ghosts for a while. And in the very end turned out there were no ghosts Uh or he ended up being a shitty guy. Yeah. I mean, any number of the things that you would assume a lesser film would do. Sure. And then in the end, you know, if the, if the film makes no comments about its protagonist fucking with him in the first place, you know, like we talked about with Jackass, right? Like, where's the line with some of the things they do? If they play a prank and it gives a person a heart attack, it got pretty fucking serious. And so, you know, we would leave even a movie like Jackass and go, if you really think about it, what they did was pretty fucked up, Mm -hmm. like really fucked up. And we might have a conversation about that. 
that would be, it'd be a little sad. It'd be, you know, it'd be ideas left on the table if the film itself didn't invoke that. Mm -hmm. The fact that, and I don't like want to get down on Jackass all of a sudden, it's obviously not setting out to do that, but the fact that Jackass doesn't really go, and then that woman almost had a heart attack and like, what really, let's really ponder the merits of Jackassery for a moment here, audience. You know, it's not going to do that. And I think, poor Jackass to pick that one out, but so many movies use something more profound than the very thing they're trying to do as a means to get to that thing. You know, they go, well, what we really want to do is say boo, but it turns out it was a cat all along. And we're going to do that by bringing up this huge moral conundrum. That's going to be our means to get to cat boo. (laughs) Okay, see audience. And for this movie to go, well, well, hold on. We don't want people to leave and go, you know, if you think about it, that's a fucked up thing they did. They should think about it during the film. In fact, that's the best idea we have in the film. It should be the fucking point of the film. <laughs> right. If you leave a film going, you know, and by happenstance, it evokes this idea that's much grander than anything it actually said. Mm-hmm. It left some money on the table. Mm-hmm. Don't let people leave your movies going... You know what's more interesting than anything that movie did is something it mentioned briefly in passing as a way to get to its dumb thing. Basically, don't give us any room to have a conversation about your movie. (laughs) Well, actually, in the shows that we've come on here and gotten kind of sidetracked on some weird political, like... Like, say, hypothetically, a movie where a bunch of kids stumble upon a dead body. Man, so many jokes I wanted to make about that on it. You have no idea. (laughs) Like... There's seven of them. Why don't they just push one off a boat? I mean, I don't know how that would have helped him in that movie. It just seems like something they should have done. Where's Crispin Glover? Get him in. He's good. He's got it. <laughs> Those movies are all such a good example. The bunch of kids are screwing around. One pushes one off the boat, and then we just, well, whatever. Goes into that entire year. What year was it where we accidentally did like 15 standby me's? It was two years ago, yeah. Oh, it seems like the last 10 years of my life. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's anything the movie even gets near that's more deserving of your lasting kind of sticking in your mind than that is. Aside from becoming YouTube famous, which is really the point of the film. Right. Doublefeature.fm, patreon.com forward slash double feature. Get on there. Get that double feature movie. Get that movie. You want to talk about some ideas left on the table. Mm -hmm. Double feature movie, I'm (laughs) sure. Every minute of that. Yeah. Every minute. That's why it's not a movie. You can't criticize it. It's not a movie. It's a thing. It's a weird thing. It's a 30-minute commercial. It's a music video without music. I don't know what the hell that thing is. Can't wait for people to see it. And of course, uh, I made a movie, dispositionfilm.com. Sign up. It'll play in a theater in New York. Cool. Do you have any producers or anything? Are we skipping them today? No, I I like to only skip the producers one week at a time. I was hoping you would tell me what the movies are going to be. Next week, we're going to, we've got the general theme is an idea plus the purge. So we're going to do two films. (laughs) One film begs the question what if Office Space happened plus the purge? And that's a film called The Belko Experiment that James Gunn wrote, directed by Greg McLean. The other film Before begs you the say question. what the other, the other <laughs> film is, now people may have some guesses. Mm-hmm. We're going to linger there for a moment while I think showrunner Billy Wilson and uh, the show, 
Piro, oh, I almost did it. Oh, sorry. I'm really sorry about that. John, Patrick Klein, Tony Gleed, Donald Muzzy, just all people that I never think I feel like should get tons of thanks. And then, of course, Ross Mahler, Jordan Sells, David Anderson, Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Aaron Shore, and the elusive Abbott of unreason. Mm. Anyways, The Purge. The second We're film doing, answers doing the, the second film answers the question, what if The Purge plus The Purge happened? Um, and that's a film called uh, The Purge Anarchy, which is, so imagine if the movie The Purge happened, but instead of you're stuck in a house, you're actually like, The Purge is happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Every single week I come on the show and there's, there's like an unstated right before you say the two films, I go, and what are the two movies? I hope one of them is a purge movie. Yeah. And it never is. And this time right. it is. And I'm, yeah. I'm just so savor it. Cause that. this is, this is the last one this month this is the last actual purge movie. I mean, it's just I guess the last that, actual purge movie this month. I guess that Don't makes, worry. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. After that though, we're going to purge ourselves of a Killapalooza list year. So oh, that's what happens. Following good, exciting. Exciting. Um, your candy corn made it the whole way. Just, I'm about to eat this candy corn. Do it. Mm. Watch my fucking film. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 